You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. Say it every week, folks. You know where to find us. Download the Pride of Detroit PODcast, which is what this is, the Pride of Detroit PODcast on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio. All your favorite podcast platforms have it because they can't keep us out. They they say, you don't have a permit to be here. And we're like, oh, yeah, well, so what? You show us your permit then, man. Bam. You show it to us. Bam. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff you get from me, Chris Perfett, <clears throat> the adequate host, the master of ceremonies here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Find me on Twitter at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. It's almost perfect. And that voice there is Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion. How are we doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great. I'm in lines one. We got a great podcast coming up. We got a special mystery guest. This is I can we can say the mystery. We'll tell I'll, I'm gonna spoil the mystery guest in a second, but first, the third man, Ryan Matthews. Black is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan munching and crunching. It's crunch time in the Ryan Matthews household on some cereal. How are you doing, buddy? And first, and what are you having? Uh, first of all, I'm having cinnamon life. Always a good sh- choice. The second thing that I would like to bring up is that I'm excited to do this podcast. <laughs> Our guest is Michael <laughs> Rothstein from ESPN. You channel no one's ever heard of. It's it's a very small channel. We're helping Mike come up through the ranks. Uh, this might be the one that puts him on the map. I've never heard of uh, this channel before. What so channel is we it? will see. Espen? No, 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 no. It is. It is the. Let me yes, let me make sure yes, I've got this is right. This like telekinesis. No, it's channel. A, this is the entertainment and sports programming network. Oh. It's on apparently some advanced cable packages, which I mean, <laughs> who gets cable anymore? <laughs> Losers. Uh, we'll talk to Mike here coming up. Mike is knowledgeable in all trade things deadline! Detroit Lions. Yeah, so we're going to talk the trade deadline with Mike. And he's also playing the second edition of Why You Lion, our award-winning game show for all things Detroit. The only game show for all things Detroit Lions. I don't know if there's others. If they did, they're copying us, and I do not appreciate that. But we begin with the Detroit Lions 31, Giants 26. As I like to say, Jeremy, a win is a win is a win. Some people kind of feel up and down about this big day for Matthew Stafford. Uh, big day for both him and, and uh, Daniel Jones, both putting up gaudy numbers. But, I mean, Stafford looks good out there. Uh, you have the requisite Marvin Hall one one monster catch for a touchdown. He's like the one. He's the he's your trap card, man. He's the you get his card for one use. You throw it out there. It's the one. It's it's like in an RPG. There's like a weapon you can use only once per fight. That's Marvin Hall. The Lions used him for a touchdown here. Lions needed this game to get back in things. Opinions about this team has been down since the Quandre Diggs trade among fans and after the brutal loss to the Vikings. But uh, I think people knew the Lions would take care of business with the Giants. Uh, I think there are some more nitty gritty problems to the Detroit Lions worth talking about. But Jeremy, I leave the floor to you. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think this game kind of played out a lot like I expected it to in general. And and this isn't meant to to pat myself on the back, but it's just the same issues that we've seen with the Lions continued in this mm-hmm. game. They couldn't stop the run. Um, <clears throat> they couldn't pressure Daniel Jones for most of the game. Although they they did a little bit better of that job, better job of that this game. And um, I I think if there's anything that came as a surprise in this game. It's that they stopped the run a little bit better. I mean, they they stopped Saquon Barkley when he ran the ball. They didn't do such a good job when he was catching the ball. But you have to consider maybe the return of Deshaun Hand helped out there. Um, And and maybe also it was a little bit of game planning, right? Like I mentioned in my preview, the reason the Vikings were able to torch the Lions' defense so much is because the Lions couldn't stop the run and – they also didn't have the resources to stop the pass. Uh, it was kind of a pick your poison type of thing. Both the Giants, I think the the blueprint was let's you know sell out and stopping the run and trust our secondary to stop a rookie quarterback. Now they got results that are mixed, right? I mean they they do stop the run. Saquon Barkley had what? Uh, oops, uh, sixty-four yards. 19 carries, 64 yards. Uh, that's only 3.4 yards per carry. You're going to take that 10 times out of 10 out of Saquon Barkley. But the trust in their secondary did not work out so well without Darius Slay in the lineup. I think Rashawn Melvin probably had his worst game of the season. Justin Coleman, out outside of the one big fourth down pass breakup they had, also had a very rough game. There was penalties. There were big plays against a not-so-great Giants receiving core. And so that is certainly concerning going forward. But I think the fact that the Lions got their run defense going in a good direction against a really, really good running back. I mean, they had him stuck in the backfield a lot. And Saquon Barkley did everything he could to turn some of those situations into positive yards. But if there's a sign that maybe the defense starts to turn things around, at least in terms of run defense, and this is a good time to do it with the Raiders coming up, I think this is is a good game to, to maybe take that. The one, the one qui- uh, quibble I'm going to have with this is because I think we've documented before just how bad the New York Giants offensive line can, has historically been. So I'm, I'm kind of leery about it, but I mean, I really can't quibble with Devon Kennard going up. Uh, who, who, who put the pressure on? Oh, it was Jared Davis. Jared Davis put, uh, you know, hitting D- Daniel Jones mm-hmm. to force the fumble. Jared Davis, who we've been putting in the doghouse, you know, redeems himself with that. Devon Kennard takes it back for a touchdown against his former team in the Giants. And uh, as you say, Jeremy, it was improved in the front of the defense this uh, this game, even as the backfield started to struggle. Ryan, what was your first main takeaway from this game? What was the first thing that just smacked you in the face? Uh, I think the first thing that was really apparent about this game was how good Matthew Stafford is. And I think the fallout from this game is the Lions have their flaws, but one of them is not Matthew Stafford. And yes, for for anybody who you know, kind of kind of put this like artificial clock on on Stafford and his time remaining in Detroit. And I know it happened, especially this offseason when Bob Quinn wouldn't come out and say for sure that he was 100% their guy. They, you know, they interviewed players like Kyler Murray at the uh, at the combine, you know, did formal interviews with him and at least got people thinking that the Lions were going to draft somebody early on in last year's draft to put some pressure on Matthew Stafford. And I just don't see how you don't keep Matthew Stafford until the end of his contract. He's clearly a guy who a wants to be here and B is the lion's best player bar none. I think that, I think that Matthew Stafford's your quarterback and the other things that need to get fixed. The thing about this game was that's the one thing that does not need to be messed with. And that's the one thing that absolutely needs to be consistent from week to week in order for this team to have a chance to win, because I don't think the lions win today if they have quarterback average whoever you pick yeah and i think it's important to point out just how tough of a situation he was put in this game because i mean we know matthew stafford has gone his entire career without a running game but i think today was almost uh uh, an extreme example and the final stats are, are bad as you'd expect 25 carries 59 yards but i think where you really saw it impact this game is on first and second down the first seven third downs the Lions faced were third and seven, third and eight, third and 15, third and seven, third and 17, third and nine, third and 17. Literally not a single third down with less than seven yards to go and some beyond 10. And how, how often did they convert on those plays? 
five of seven. Five wow. of seven. This team was put in awful situations on first and second down, and Matthew Stafford bailed them out. And let's be clear, this wasn't Matthew Stafford's best game. He made a horrible decision on his interception. He missed a lot of guys. Oh, in wow, the first yeah, half. throwing that in a double coverage, that yes. was insane. Horrible. Like, I was, his, I was smacking myself watching that. His first half was not really particularly good, in my opinion. But, but, and we've, we've seen this Lions team struggle offensively in the second half, struggle to put games away. This wasn't necessarily an exception to the rule, but look at Matthew Stafford's stats in the second half. 12 attempts. How many did he complete? 12. 12 of 12 in the second half, 148 yards, 12.3 yards per attempt, two touchdowns, pass rating of 157.6.7 away from a perfect pass rating in the entire second half. Matthew Stafford won this team the game. Bar none. Like, period. End of sentence. Matthew Stafford playing out of his mind this year. If the Lions were 5-2 and two right now, He'd be in the MVP conversation right with Kirk Cousins. Period. I can't even believe Kirk Cousins is in that MVP. I know I, that that's so, that did not feel. That, that feels. You know what that is. I'm going to take a shower. You know what that here. is. I'm pour some water like, on my. I, I know that I. Please don't. Please don't. Because we don't need you wet on this show. We've got another 40 minutes to go or whatever. But I, I feel like the Kirk Cousins stuff is kind of revisionist. Like he was so bad to start the year, but then it's like, oh my God, look how he's turned it around. This isn't most improved, guys. This is MVP. But uh, yeah, I mean, I know people are going to look at the score. It's be like, oh my God, you should have done better against the Giants. Again, I believe, as my friend Rob Parker would say, short menu, wins and losses. Lions win here. They're at back at 300. I mean, 500, excuse me. Uh, you've got this part of the schedule where you just have to handle business. And man, like the business will will get handled. I, I feel like, especially if you have Stafford healthy, there are big questions. And I think as when we talk to Rothstein here in a few minutes, there's some questions the Lions can maybe answer through the trade deadline. Because as much as we love talking about Matthew Stafford, and by the way, I was completely wrong about Danny Amendola, and I hate that I have to say that stuff. Uh, I love it. Amendola, another 95, almost another 100-yard game <laughs> game here. Well, you know what it is? Is It's what I've always said about slot receivers and Stafford. I just always, I didn't think Amendola would be up there. But uh, Eight targets, eight catches. Can't ask for anything mm-hmm. better than that. No, you really can't. Um Golden Tate, by the way, former Detroit Lion, having himself a nice game against his former team, 85 yards. He catches on 10. Yeah, I mean, like, but uh, that, that goes to, I think, Rashawn Melvin's rough day. Um, yeah. I mean, this team absolutely. this team I mean, needs Darius Slay, and so and, and we'll get to talking about it next segment probably. Man, that would have been such a fun set, uh, matchup if Golden Tate had to line up against Darius Slay. Well, that's not the matchup I was looking for. Darius I wanted Darius Slayton so bad. Why didn't it happen? By the way, that 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 threw me off on the broadcast. We are not um, Darius Slayton. You need to change your first name. <laughs> change like, your that, name. I, I don't make the rules. Yeah. I I don't I don't make the rules. It's just the law. Uh, but yeah, let, let's talk about some other standouts, some other interesting sure. aspects of this game. Um, Deshaun Hand makes his return. Um. I thought he had a pretty solid game. I'll have to go back and see how much he impacted the pass rush, but I think he got, they kind of eased him into the game and then he was in there quite a bit. Gets four solo tackles, gets a a pass breakup. I think he also had a tackle for loss in this game. So promising return for him. Um, And then I think the other guy we have to talk about is, you know, it's fun how the Lions wide receivers are just kind of passing the torch back and forth between each other. It was Marvin Jones last week. This week, it's Kenny Galladay. Comes away with mm-hmm. two touchdowns in the, in the second quarter, or in the, I'm sorry, in the second half, including the game winner. Um, also has the fumble at the end of the game. But uh, how, I mean, Ryan, how much fun is it for you that, like, you don't know which wide receiver is going to go off e- either week and to just kind of have that 1A, 1B option every week? Yeah. Uh, how much does I, that help this offense? The only, yeah, I mean, I'll let Ryan answer, but I just want to say once again, the only constant there is, you know, Marvin Hall is going to have one catch. <laughs> it's going to be for a huge play and you're not going to get him again, <laughs> but that's fine. Cause that is exactly what it is. This is an RPG. He is the secret weapon. He is the consumable. You have to spend once a game and he'll help you destroy that, that monster. Yeah. So I think that there's two consumables, Chris, there's the Marvin mm-hmm. Hall play that happens. And then there's also Jeremy's going to fight with us on this. It's not a flea flicker. flicker. It's not a flea flicker. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. <it. laughs> um, but man, I, truly, 
Kenny Galladay has that play, which is just like, I mean, it's like bread in the bread in the basket. You know what I mean? Like it's such an easy like pitch. Like, no, I don't. What? Why do you put bread in the basket? So that you can take it with you. <laughs> why do you have a basket though? Why don't you just have a bag? So Kenny Galladay catches this really <laughs> great touchdown pass, but that's not even that's not even his best his best catch of the game. I think that toe tapper mm-hmm. uh, right there in the in the end zone was. I mean, the guy is just he's so big yet he's so graceful, and it, it's I, I don't think it's I don't think it's so unfair to make these comparisons because people have and they have the dumb nickname Babytron, but like his like body control in terms of like how big he is and how smooth he moves. And you see just even the way that he like will go down, like, like because defensive backs always have to go for his legs. Like there's no other way you're going to tackle him. If you try to tackle him up high. I mean, you remember the play he made on the Uh, Clinton Dix. Yeah. And ha ha Clinton Dix last Mm -hmm. season. But you know, even the way he like falls forward, like Calvin Johnson always would, because he would anticipate people going for his legs. Like there's something very Calvin esque about him. I'm not saying that he is Calvin Johnson, but it's awesome to know that that guy is available. But as you mentioned, Jeremy, on any given week, it could be the Marvin Jones show, or it could be week one and it could be TJ Hawkinson, or it can be, you know, it, it can be Damian, Danny Amendola. And I think mm-hmm. that that is such a, it's such an interesting dynamic that the Lions offense has. It's just a shame that they don't have a running game to go with it. Do you know what I mean? And it, uh, it drives me crazy, man. I mean, it's insane. It's the man. reason why they can't put games away late. I've been saying it for weeks. It's the reason why they occasionally have red zone struggles. They, they didn't again this week, which is another, you know, positive in, in, in the trajectory of this team, but it's not going to work forever. Like having a running game in the red zone is crucial. You can't rely on Kenny Galladay to make fantastic catches after balls are tipped right before he gets to him. And you can't expect Matthew Stafford to thread the needle of five chiefs defenders every game. It's just not going to work. So the Lions need to figure out how to get a running game and whether that means going into the tread deadline and getting someone, which I don't know if that's going to solve all of their rushing problems probably isn't uh, or, you know, get something going on that offensive line because (laughs) It's, I mean, we've seen it cost this team already and it nearly cost them again today um, because it just baffles me. It baffles me how many offensive coordinators we've gone through. It baffles me how many head coaches we've gone through. It baffles me. Offensive linemen, how many running back linemen backs themselves like schemes going from zone running to, 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 you know, uh, what, whatever. And we just, nothing seems to work. Unbelievable. And I don't get it. I just don't get it at all, man. Two maybe maybe Matthew Stafford is just tipping run plays. Maybe that's it. Can we get someone to look at that? Yeah. Stafford, maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe Stafford <laughs> is so, is so, um, not jealous. What's the word I'm looking for? He's, 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 He's Stat Padford, man. He's Stat Padford, and he wants to get those those throwing stats. So he somehow finds ways to sabotage the run game. So they have to lean on him as a passer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's some conspiracy. That's theory. some tinfoil hat stuff right there. Two things about the running game before we wrap up on this one. Like Jeremy said, you get in those late game situations. You're not passing the ball to Kenny Galladay over the middle with six and a half minutes left. You're running the football. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He ends up fumbling mm-hmm. that ball in the fourth quarter. I know it didn't directly result in any points, but it definitely set up New York in good field position. And the second thing, taking a look at the Lions box score, Jeremy talked, you know, 25 carries for 59 yards for 2.4 yards per carry. But Carson had a, a long of 12, had 34 yards total. Ty Johnson had 25. That's your favorite thing, man, Ty, taking away the long. Ty Johnson had 25 yards. He had a long of 14. I, you love taking away the long. I, Pause. You know what? I I'm I'm doing a little Jeremy thing right here, but like you end up with like 23, 23 carries for like thirty some odd yards. Not yeah. great. Uh, before before we cut this out, I promised on Twitter I was going to answer this question. I'd love to hear what you guys feel about it. Um, since it's all related to this, how do you feel about? And this is from Kevin Gallagher on Twitter. How do you feel about the constant first down runs for one to two yards, needed or unnecessary waste? So. Should the I mean the Lions ran the ball a lot in this game. They they were defiant in terms of the results they were getting. They ran the ball twenty five times. They passed it thirty two. So that's still very balanced for you know a run game that wasn't working. Do you guys think this is necessary to you know keep Matthew Stafford clean, uh, make play action work better, 
or are the Lions just wasting downs by running the ball? I think they're wasting downs. I just I I I hate watching this team try to run the ball, man. I don't know if it's effective as as far as like burning the clock or whatever, mm-hmm. but I I still see these drives where they are clearly trying to burn the clock with a run game. And it never works. It never seems to burn a lot of clock because usually if you want a a run, I mean, a series to burn the clock, you need more than three and out. And the Lions, when they're running the ball to burn the clock, are going three and out. Right. Uh, But but you have to bring up the question, you know, we're we're praising Matthew Stafford and the Lions passing off so much. Is that a product of them playing so balanced? Is that a product of them committing to the run game? I don't know what it's a product of. It's it's absolutely a wa- uh, bodily waste byproduct at this point, though. That's the only best way to describe the run game. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on this? Uh, it just fix the run game. Here and, and here to to the point of how big of an issue this is. Let me read you off the last four possessions of the Lions in this game. Mm-hmm. Three plays, seven yards, punt. Five yards, eighty touchdown. Trick play. Three plays, negative one yards, fumble. Three plays, negative seven yards, punt. Kneel downs at the end. Two, two you know points. what helps burn the clock? Scoring first, a touchdown and forcing downs. the other team to get another. Well, that plus scoring another touchdown to force that team to have to get another score if they want to catch back up with you. Yeah. And so I'm, Best defense is a good offense. Yeah, and so I, th- I think to answer the original question, it's a mixture because – we saw how successful the team was in the first half. And I mean, this is becoming a pattern. As I said, when they're being at least a little more aggressive and not clearly trying to run up the clock, the problem with this run offense, especially is that when teams know they're going to run the ball, they especially struggle. They can't, I mean, third and shorts, forget about it. Red zone, forget about it. This team can't run when teams are loading the box. And so at the end of the games, they do need to be more aggressive. Do they need to throw the ball 15 times to one run? No. But I think I'd love to see them come out and not just like four or five yard passes. And I know those safe passes help you run the clock, but you need to be a little more aggressive. You need to put more points up in the third and fourth quarters because you're going to continue to let teams get back in this game when you're facing a bunch of third and longs. And and you're not, you're not, you're just not going to convert five of seven third and seven or longers throughout the entire game. Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback, but he's not capable of doing that through the entire span of a game. So yes, I do think they need to be a little more aggressive, but at the same time, they can't, completely abandon the run. They need to fix the run game. They're, they can't pass the ball 40 times a game and run at 15. That's just not going to work for, for a successful football team. So there needs to be a balance there. There needs to be some sort of solution to this run game. I don't know if they ever get it. At this point, I'm not very hopeful for it. Um, but again, maybe they do something at the trade deadline. But what if they do something what? at the deadline? What if they do something at the deadline? Well, to answer that, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, our friend Michael Rothstein. Again, never heard of the channel he's been on, but I guess he's going to be good. We'll find out here in a few minutes as we, as Jeremy is dropping pens, indicating he wants to drop the mic, which he can't do because his mic is on an arm. That was just such I a, could drop that was such a professional segue, like assist to you right there i was very proud Mm, of myself mm, 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 mm. i love it and we're ruining it by explaining the joke all right well we will be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast michael rothstein is in our virtual green room he's about to join us when we come back stick around And welcome back to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, pridedetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, as always, Pride of Detroit on twitch.tv. And now we are joined by a guest. What? We got a guest? Absolutely. Yes, we have a guest. Yes, 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 yes. We have a guest. Uh, joining us on the phone is a is someone from a channel called the Entertainment and Sports Programming Network. I've never heard of it. <laughs> Uh, he is their Lions Maven, 
and the host of the Michael Rothstein Show, which you can find anywhere podcasts are sold or found for free. I wonder what his name is with a podcast like that. Oh, would you look at it? It's Michael Rothstein from ESPN. Hello, Mike. How are you? I'm good. I was just worried you were going to call me Dave Burkett. Then we're going to be really confused. <laughs> <laughs> Do people mess you and Dave up all the time? No. Um, people mix me and Michael Rosenberg, the fantastic Sports Illustrated writer up, however, because we have very similar backgrounds. We both are Long Island natives who grew up in New York, obviously, and then covered Michigan for a while, and we both look, well, I don't think we look the same, but I can see how people would maybe think that, and <laughs> it's happened before. I've been in coffee shops, and people would come up to me and talk to me about a story they swore I wrote, and I had no idea what they were talking about. <laughs> Well, uh, we know you, Mike. We know you very well, and I promised I would tell you this story before we got in here, but there is a certain picture of you we have floating around in the Pride of Detroit Slack, and you were guessing while we were getting you prepped here in the green, in the virtual green room that it might have been you with long hair. It's not. Um, when did this happen, Jeremy? About two, two years back? You were I, in Allen Park. I think it was a little bit yeah. older than that. Um, a little bit older than that, but you were in Allen Park somewhere, and you were testing out the cryotherapy chambers. Oh no! <laughs> and you had come. <laughs> and you had come. Allen Park. That was at. Uh, that was in Royal Oak. Just to, for factual purposes, that was in Royal Oak. Okay. I wrote the story. It was Dominic Riola's cryo uh, cryo spa business. Yeah. Um, oh wow! To, to give some clarity there. Oh God. <laughs> I, I feel like I don't want photo exists now. You were emerging from the cryopod with this like wide-eyed look, <laughs> leaning towards the camera, with your chest bared. Jeremy, do we have that picture? I, Can we put no, it on the stream? I'm not going to do that to Mike. I'm not. okay. We're not. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. No, 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 no. That's as soon as that left my mouth, I'm like, no, that's too mean. It has to stay with that's us. That's sort of compromising. We just want to know. <laughs> It is. I just want to let Mike know that if you ever cross Pride Detroit, we have this. We have this photographic evidence. I mean, I shot in a video for ESPN. I'm pretty sure it's out there in the world. Uh, well, you've let people know exactly where to find it now. Apparently, so. Hey, listen, that was a fun story. You can so cool, little quick story there. Uh, <laughs> we do a, a sizzle reel every year with some of our highlights, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that video may have popped up twice on the sizzle reel with me promoting <laughs> how it was um, in the cryo chamber. So yeah, you guys are not the first ones to poke a little bit of fun at my decision to try and tell interesting stories for you, the fans. But I'm okay with that because that is what I get paid to do to mildly embarrass myself and learn about these, about these things. I will say this about cryo, though. Not to go too far off the rails a couple minutes into this podcast, mm-hmm. but it actually, I felt really worked. I had shoulder issues going into the cryo chamber, and I felt good for like three weeks after coming out of there. Like, so, you know, some people might say placebo or whatever, but <clears throat> I mean, I felt it really worked, and, and I felt there was a real benefit to it from doing it, which was part of why I did the story because so many players were doing it. I don't know if you remember, but in training camp that year, they actually had brought cryo chambers to mm-hmm. the Lions for training camp and there was like pictures of like Ziggy in them and like a couple of other dudes in the cryo chambers which is kind of how all of that got started and now they're kind of just standard practice to care for a lot of people uh, that are in the Well NFL. as long as you're wearing the booties as long as you're wearing the little booties unlike yeah. uh, one particular X-Raider that's for sure. Yes. Uh, well not not only him but if you remember Manny Harris the uh, former Michigan basketball player. Oh yeah, player, yeah. That that like derailed his entire career was frostbite from Cryo. Well, uh, we appreciate you being humble enough about it and understanding that, you know, like all of us, we are just here as like glorified clowns for the braying <laughs> audiences in between downs and, and game days at football. So thank you, Mike, for joining us. Uh, oh, we're going to talk here. Yeah, we're going to talk here. And thank you for playing along with our nonsense. Uh, I want to talk with you, though, about the trade deadline coming up. Is the big news out here. The Lions have already 
sold a piece here before the deadline. It, I think Jeremy was talking it might be shades of last year where the Lions traded Golden Tate and then somehow turned around and got, you know, Damon Harrison. In the other order, uh, we've yeah. already... What? In the other order, but yeah. In, in the other order, yeah, no, in the yeah, other yeah, order. I'm sorry. It was in reverse yeah. order. And a lot of people, it's funny because a lot of people have mentioned that and they have it for whatever reason in that order that they traded Tate first and then got snacks. It was like, no, it was the exact opposite. And you know, and if you're on the team, you know that because Tate bought snacks, a ton of snacks, to welcome snacks <laughs> to Detroit. And then, like, three days later, they're not teammates anymore. Um, so, you know. Well, then you know what snacks were bought. Everything. Oh, man. He, it was a lot. Bought. It was like it was a variety pack of snacks. Um, mm, I, I, I do mm. not believe that my personal favorite snack, which just talked about in the press room. My personal favorite snack was not placed in that. Unfortunately, there was no candy corn Mike. in the in the snack. What? Uh, I, oh, Mike, Mike, Mike is just trying to trigger trigger me after now we, he's, we now teased he's here, him. Here's the heel. Yeah, <laughs> I should send Mike now. Um, when I worked in Toledo Sports Talk Radio, someone brought us in a bag of brunch flavored candy corn. Brunch flavored. Brunch, be I like know, brunch, it won't break like you. I want like plastic flavored candy corn, and I'm gonna love it. Okay, <laughs> I had to smell that for six months before someone deigned to throw it out, like brunch the fake syrup and waffles and strawberry. <laughs> oh, I'll send you the picture. I'll send you the picture on Twitter after we're done. I mean, we, we are getting off the rails. Yeah, are, I'm sorry. You can send me the maple syrup. Um, candy corn, actually, that's amazing right now. I, I'm hungry. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Um, okay, but let, yeah, let's talk about the deadline, because as I said, the, the Lions have already dealt digs. That was a huge story uh, across the Lions landscape here last week. Everyone was kind of shocked that the Lions were trading a team captain midseason before the deadline to an NFC wildcard contender in Seattle. And uh, where do the Lions stand right now? I guess the question is people are going to ask, like they, they want them to either be buyers or sellers, depending on where you stand with this Lions season right now. But how do the Lions see things right now? I mean, I think they're going to be looking. Uh, and, and I think I, I, when I say looking, I think on both ends. Right? I absolutely mm-hmm. think they're going to look to try to add a piece. If it feels going to make them better probably to me more in the long term than the short term just mm-hmm. and when i say short term i mean sign somebody you trade for somebody that either is in the last year of their deal and then you can probably sign them to a reasonable contract or somebody who has a year or two left like quandre dick so i look at that and i say that that's where i think they can buy i don't think they would have made a trade for say i don't know jalen ram you know at this point right. but obviously everything that's going on with darius play Maybe they should have been more invested in that market. I don't know. Um, so I think it's going to really depend on what the offers are out there. Uh, I would. I really think that they would probably look to add a piece versus subtract a piece. Uh, and when I say a piece, I mean somebody who would be a difference maker, not you know a depth piece here or there, because I can see them moving on from a depth piece if it gets them like a six or something like that, if it makes sense. Uh, but yeah, I mean, running back to me is the one that makes most obvious sense. Obviously, there's a bunch of Kenyon Drake rumors out there. Melvin Gordon, to me, would be a great fit and a huge prize for them if they were to get him. But I would imagine the cost might be a little bit more than what the Lions would want to spend. But I don't know that for sure. And then obviously on the selling end, we all know the big name that's out there. But to me, I, I think that the bottom... The, the bottom, like the floor that you're asking for for Darius Slay is a first round pick. Uh, especially because was, you won today. If you lost today, maybe that changes. But you have still under contract for 2020, and he's the type of guy that I don't think his value diminishes if you decide you want to move him in the offseason. You can probably get maybe not a first for him, but you might be able to package him if you really do want to move him, package him with a pick and then maybe move up to where you want to in the draft or, or whatever it might be, you know? Like, I think there's a lot of machinations that can happen there. Why? I, and I think it just would send such a bad message to your locker room and your fan base if you dealt Darius Slay at this point, especially, again, because you won today. If you lost today, I think it's a different conversation. 
Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about the Slay situation because your 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 colleague uh, Adam Schefter put out that tweet this morning saying they've received a bunch of calls about Darius Slay. They they basically they're not going to accept a trade unless they get you know a, a significant amount. You're saying it'd probably be at least a one for you. Do you do you get a sense of how much the the Lions would would part? How much they're looking for? And it's it's so you know Schefter's wording is, is is ambiguous, and I'm sure that's on purpose. He might not have any uh, you know exact numbers on it. Do you do you get a sense like is it at least a first? Is it a first and a third? Uh, or, or you know, I'd be, I'd, yeah, I'd be lying if I said I knew. Yeah, I, and I think that that's purposeful. I, right. if you've been around the Lions for a couple of years, a couple of years yourself, Jeremy, and you know how it kind of works. That yeah. really they are very, very tight lips when it comes to their information and very rarely does it get out. Oh, I don't know what, till like 10 minutes before a deal is done, five minutes before a deal is done after the deal is done. And I don't think they're going to show their hand. I, I think they're, if they, they're going to listen to the officer, Darius, I think they would listen personally. And this is just me personally, not, this is not coming from a source or anything like that. This is me personally. I think you listen to offers for anybody on the team other than like, four or five guys just because you never know if someone wants to give you a first round pick for somebody that you're like, Oh, well, you know, he's really good, but I mean, first rounder is really good too. Then, then I think you listen. But to me, Darius plays a guy that I, I think you, you can't get rid of unless, unless, unless offers so, so good, too good yeah. to be true almost because um, it'll be a very analogous, I think, to the Golden Tate move last year in that they don't have anybody that's like an obvious, this person will replace him there. Like, they had that with Quandre Diggs, which is why that mm-hmm. deal made sense. They, now, granted, who knows what's going to happen with Tracy Walker here as he got hurt today. Don't know how serious that is. But on paper, you had replacements, and you had multiple replacements for Quandre Diggs. You don't have that for Darius Slate. The drop-off from Darius Slate to Mike Ford is, uh, is large. Yeah, and that's and not, saw not that on my board. <laughs> yeah, and we saw we saw Daniel Jones kind of tear up the Lions secondary a little bit today, as, as we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, but uh, I want to talk a little bit. We there's obviously a lot of rumors about real, running back. Real, real Sorry, quick, before ahead, we Chris. jump into that, um, Mike, before we leave Darius Slay. Um, how much would a trade kind of be impacted by what kind of what we've seen out of Slay's own comments, kind of in the light of the Darius of the Darius of the Quandre Diggs trade? Excuse me, where it, it feels like he is. I mean, he he wouldn't commit to playing in Detroit long term, which I mean that's just a business decision at the end of the day. But it was clear he was kind of off put from the organization in some degree by the 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 idea to trade away Quandre Diggs, kind of out of the blue and without even, you know, talking to Diggs himself first. Yeah, I, I think that he definitely caught Darius play by surprise. He said it did. I asked him that straight away, and he looked at me like I had three heads because, like, of course, dude, it took me by surprise. <laughs> I, this, here's the thing with Darius play. I, I don't believe that Darius play doesn't want to be in Detroit. I've never seen an athlete, and I've lived in Michigan for 10 years now, I've never seen an athlete take to a town like Darius has taken to Detroit. He goes out of his way. Like, he sees, okay, so you know how you see players, like, go to high school game of the week, the Detroit Lions high school game of the week. We've all seen that, right? Mm-hmm. On, like, Twitter hand, Twitter feeds, and Instagram and all that. That's all, all organized by the Lions. Darius Slade does all of this on his own. It's his decision. He doesn't get paid for it. He goes basically because it's what he wants to do. It's what he likes to do. And he wants to be immersed in the community. And I'll tell you, when he goes to one of these things, it's like, I mean, this is going to date me. I know what? I'm not going to date myself. I was going to say the Beatles, but I'm just going to say it would be like Taylor Swift showing up to one of these things. There you go. Like, you know, and modernize it, man. Modernize it. And it's, that's, that's what it's like. He's like a rock star when he shows up there. And it's... I've never seen anything like it, both from a community rallying around a player standpoint and a player really taking to a community that he had no connection to before the 2013 season when he was drafted. None. He grew up in Brunswick, Georgia, and played college football in Mississippi. Like, it's not like he's T.J. Lang, you know, or even somebody who grew up in Ohio or played college football at Michigan or Michigan State, you know? Like, 
just not, it's not bad. It's this guy just really loves the community. And I think that that, you, you never weigh that. I think when you're tra- deciding whether to trade a guy, but you got to understand how the public is going to react to that. Like, uh, and it puts, I, I wrote this and I said this after the big trade. I know I'm going on a little bit here, but that it puts pressure on the Lions coaching staff and front office to win now and trade away your popular players. If they trade away Darius Slay, they basically have to win immediately because otherwise you're going to lose the faith that you have in your fan base from your fan base of what you're doing because you're trading away a really, really good player who can start on, oh, I don't know what, 30 NFL teams probably, 31 maybe, and you're sending him away for whatever that haul is, that's really tough. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Jeremy Ryan, you guys wanted to move forward, I think, talking about what the Lions could maybe get. Yeah, uh, let's let's talk about you know them being buyers again because that seems to be where all the rumors are, are starting. And, and we talked a little about running mm-hmm. back already. Um, let's talk about different positions because I think a lot of Lions fans are looking at this team and their weaknesses right now, and running game is certainly one of them. I think the other big one is pass rush. And so a lot of Lions fans are hoping, hey, maybe they get a Vic Beasley type. Maybe they go out and, and find some other pass rusher on a, on a failing team right now. Do you get a sense, Mike, that, that that's in the cards? Because I, I, there doesn't seem to a lot of, be a lot of fire or smoke there yet, but Lions fans are certainly hope there will be. Yeah, it's tough to say because who are you going to go get? And remember, if you're getting somebody on an expiring deal and you're trading for them with the hopes of paying for them, you paid Trey Flowers yeah. a whole bunch of money to be that guy. And and Trey Flowers, I mean, he has, he has his two best, arguably two best plays of the season back back today. Uh, you know, you bring the Giants in and all of a sudden for pass rush exists. Uh, they double-digit pressure today. So, I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe that's an area where you get a depth piece, but then when you look at it, like, okay, well, look at their depth pieces now. Their depth pieces now are pretty good. Romeo Farr is a pretty good depth piece. I don't know if you're going to be able to get a player better than him. So what what are you doing? Like, where what's that move that's to be made? And are you willing to pay that player if you make that move down the road? Because I think that that's something you have to consider because we all know how valuable passers are, right? Like, I mean, that's maybe the second most valuable position in the game after quarterback. So you're probably going to have to pay a good price to get one of those pass rushers. And I just don't know after the signing of Flowers whether it would be financially viable to go and do that in the long run. And I think that when you're the Lions, you play that game as well. What's the short-term and long-term viability and, and intelligence move there? Now, if they can get someone like Snack Harrison last year, like pennies on the dollar type situation, you, you, you run and you do that for sure. Uh, but other than that, I, I think it's really tough. Because, oh, listen, Mike Daniel is going to come back at some point. Deshaun Hand is going to round in the form here. And, you know, I think Trey Flowers eventually will be the player that a lot of people think he's going to be. So I, I think you, you kind of roll with that a little bit and you hope that, you know, that, that they do it okay because let's be honest that uh, their biggest pass rush problem I don't think has anything to do with personnel. I think it has to do with the fact that if you're rushing three guys, you're, you're not going to get much of a pass rush. I don't care if your you're, defensive line is J.J. Watt, like Trey Flowers, and I don't know, uh, Aaron Donald. I still don't think you're going to win a ton of the time if you're only rushing three every time. Like, that's just the reality of the NFL and how they block. So they're not going to send three first rounders for Von Miller. <laughs> uh, maybe in all, you know, in all seriousness, if Von Miller was 25, <laughs> maybe because Von Miller is like the perfect Matt Patricia player, right? right? Like he is. Him and Khalil Mack are like the perfect Matt Patricia players. Uh, but Von Miller in his current age, not a chance. <laughs> I mean, I, listen, if you can get Von Miller for, like, a second, I would make that move. Sure. But yeah. I, don't know if, I don't know if you can get Von Miller for a second. No, I think there's a little too much pride still in Denver to really do away with that for right. as much as a second. We got time for one more question here uh, before we move on to the next segment. Ryan, Jeremy, one of you guys have any 
Ryan, do you have any questions for Mike? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, we talked a little bit about the defense and the Lions last year being kind of like long-term picture buyers by grabbing Snacks Harrison. Um, what about something more immediate? And I mean, I don't know if it has too much to do with, you know, the lack of a running game today again. Um, but do you see, do you see if the Lions are going to be buyers, do you think they might do something that's more short term and temporary? Like, could they be the team for Kenyon Drake? Do you think that they might go after another skill position player to, to round that out? I mean, I don't think they would need to go for a wide receiver. And I think they obviously are pretty happy with what they have at tight end, although, Honestly, if I was the Lions and someone was interested in Jesse James, I'd kick it around. Uh, or if someone's interested in Logan Thomas, I'd kick it around. I don't, because I don't think either one of them mm-hmm. has really, you know, at, at least in the passing game, hasn't given you what you thought. I mean, Logan Thomas, I don't think anyone anticipated him to have a big impact in the passing game, right? But like Jesse James, I don't think he's given you the passing game what maybe you thought when you signed him. So, eh, if someone's interested in Jesse James, I think I'd listen. You know, especially because you have Isaac Nada sitting on the practice squad and listen, he, you know, Jeremy will tell you too, he was a guy who seemed like he was a bubble player off training camp and you figure maybe he's gotten better with more practice. Uh, so, all that said, I think, yeah, running back's the spot. If they're going to make a move, it's going to be at running back, well, at least offensively. Uh, maybe offensive guard and, and you just kind of saw if you can get a high-level guard to just kind of solve that weird Joe Dahl, Graham Glasgow, Kenny Wiggins situation. If you can get that, and I mean, if, as long as we're throwing in all possible cap- possibilities here, right? Like, what happens if a team calls for about Graham Glasgow at, at this point? You haven't re-signed him. You're not. You're running this rotation. Like, at what point do you listen? Even though I think he's your best guard. At what point do you listen for that? Because if I'm Graham Glasgow, I, I have a lot of questions for the Lions front office when the season's over. Like, yeah. if I resign here, well, what, are you, are you going to do this again and pull me randomly for for another guard or or not? So I think there are so many permutations that can go into this and into these conversations, right, especially with so many expiring contract guys, uh, which is why, frankly, if you ask me what safety might have gotten moved, at the deadline, I would have said Tavon Wilson, not Cordero Diggs, because again, yeah. expiring contracts. So all this is a long answer for saying, I think, yeah, if they're going to add a piece on offense, I think it's going to be running back. I think it will probably look at a short-term solution too, versus a longer-term solution, because you do have carry on Johnson, and I think you have to at least give him the benefit of one more year, and in hopes that like maybe the injury there is two folks. Um, but you know, I, running back's also a position that, frankly, you can get away with finding guys. Like if the holes are there, you're gonna find guys. Look at JD McKissick, man. Like JD McKissick's pretty easy on the ground. He's a nice piece, and you can do it by committee. They do it. In, they do it all the time. Even as good as Sonny Michelle is, right? So I, I think maybe look for a piece there as a short term piece. If you do that, and yeah, Kenny Drake's maybe that option with. You know, if you get him for a mid-round pick, you don't have to really feel like, oh, my God, you trade a mid-round pick away if you let him go in the offseason. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and that's and that's why the Melvin Gordon thing that's tricky because, like, if you're trading for Melvin Gordon, like, you're probably trading a healthy amount, right? You you need to, you need to cut that. You, not cut your losses, but you need to understand, like, you're going to re-sign him. And what's that going to cost you? And what's, how is that going to affect your bottom line? And that's really tough. Mike, do you have time? I want to take a quick break here. Do you have time to stick around and play like a quick 10-minute game show with us? Absolutely. All right. All right. We're going to take a break here. Great stuff with Mike Rothstein. Uh, When we come back, we're going to play a proprietary game show. This is our second edition, and uh, it's already received smashing rave reviews, and it might be the next big thing. Uh, Why You Lying with Mike Rothstein, Ryan Matthews, and Jeremy Risen when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Back again on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, Mike Rothstein from the Mike Rothstein Show 
ESPN beat reporter for the Detroit Lions. Catch him on ESPN.com over for the Detroit Lions side of things. You can see everything there. Mike is a wonderful human being, and he has agreed to continue to uh, entertain our nonsense here as we play the second edition of Why You Lion. Jeremy, do we have the game show music here? Is it ready to roll? My mic's off. Yep. <laughs> Adequate. Oh, your mic was off. Okay, great. Well, we're just absolute professionals here. Uh, Mike's not even going to hear the game show music because of the magic of podcasting. So, but it's for our Twitch audience. It's a combination of Jeopardy and Price Right. It's making me happy. Oh, oh, it's it's more than that. It is <laughs> off the walls. This is the Detroit Lions trivia show you didn't know you need and probably actually don't need <laughs> of of everything and everywhere. A little more coherent this week. I think we, we've decided to add in some multiple choice questions. We'll have that. A lot of it is the theme of today's show, Jeremy, of why you lion is history. We ain't got none except for these parts here. So let's begin. Uh, number one, I'll buy is called I'll buy that for a dollar. So this month we uh, commemorated William Clay Ford making a six million dollar bid for the Detroit Lions in 1963, which most of us will now regard as probably a terrible mistake. <laughs> However, in a lesson of exploding value in football teams, we're going to roll the clock back about 29 years to 1934 when George Richards, owner of WJR, bought the Portsmouth Spartans from Ohio and moved them to Detroit and changed their name to the Detroit Lions. My question to you guys is, how much did Richard pay for the Portsmouth Spartans? Was it A, $50, B, 10000 C, 8000 or D, 350 Jeremy. Jeremy. Uh, C, $8,000. Okay. Ryan, you want to try your answer or do you have another number? I, I, I gave too many ringer answers here. Already. I'm going to say B. I think it was 10,000. 10,000? Mike, you want to wager a guess? So, wait, this 350, you mean 350,000 or $3.50? <laughs> Just want to make sure we're clear yes. here. Yes. <laughs> it's not the answer. Clearly. That wasn't an answer. <laughs> uh, it gonna, is here. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I'm going to join Jeremy and go in with C, $8,000. Jeremy and Mike are right. It is $8,000. Only $8,000 for an NFL team in 1934. And within... Uh, when did he sell the team? Within seven years when he sold the team to Mandel Jr., he sold the team to for $225,000. There you go. Eight th so, like, over a $200,000 profit right there and then. Good for him. If we could all be so lucky. If we could all be so lucky. By the way, I think I have an unfair advantage to Mike in that I can look at your facial cues when you're trying to come up with wrong answers, and so it was painfully well, obvious. Well, I didn't it was have C. wrong. I didn't have wrong <laughs> answers set down here for that one. I do for the others. Okay. So you know what? You you have it. Have it while you have it. Hey, okay. Let's be honest, um, guys, they're just less right answers. Okay, they're not wrong. They're just less right. That is true. What's, what's yeah, exactly. really the difference between ten grand and eight grand? No one knows. Uh, back no in the 30s, quite a bit. Anyway, <laughs> yes. So anyway, we move into this category is called Ryan's favorite uh, topic. In the most famous Detroit movie of all time, RoboCop, there is a famous scene where gangster Clarence Boderick says he's going to a Detroit Tigers game. But my question to you, yes or no, were the Lions ever mentioned during the course of this movie? Jeremy. Just the first one? Just the first one. I'm gonna say no. Mike. So I, I'm gonna admit something I probably shouldn't hear. Uh oh. Played, oh no. I played the RoboCop video game on my like on Nintendo or Genesis back as a, <laughs> in the kid. Like, I, as a kid, but I did not grow up in Detroit, and I never watched RoboCop. So I'm gonna. Go That's with fine. That. Well, we'll get we'll get you to watch it sometime soon. I think we're losing so. connection with Mike. I think he's gone. <laughs> no, he's still here. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. He is, he is here with me for the entirety of this game. Brian, as our RoboCop expert, were the Lions ever mentioned in RoboCop? Oh, man. I'm going to say yes. The answer is no. Ryan. Ryan oh, losing God, out on his home turf. 
<laughs> Robocop expert. Uh, Ryan, you can redeem yourself. What was what was Boderick's line about the Tigers? Can you quote it? Uh, the Tigers are on tonight. And I never close enough. And I never miss a game. Yep. <laughs> Come on, Sal. All right. Uh, quick, think fast. Without looking it up, what was the number of the famous Detroit Lions cornerback Dick Lane? You don't get a multiple choice here. Jeremy. 27. Ryan. Uh, 81. Mike. 14. Ryan had it right, which means he's looking it up. Ryan, put away the phone. I'm not looking. I, I promise you. I, I you, knew it. You knew. I didn't even say Night Train Lane, and you knew it. No, I knew it was the same as Calvin Johnson's. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's that's the point I wanted to make. Same same number as Calvin Johnson, 81 for Night Train Lane oh. and Megatron. Yeah, so. I think if the Lions were to retire a number anytime soon, they would, they would do it in honor of Night Train Lane long before Calvin Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Um, let's do let's do this story here. So there's a famous story about Marvin Gaye trying out for the Detroit Lions. This is a multiple part question I have for you guys. Uh, number one, who is the Detroit Lion who invited him to try out with the team? Was it A. Greg Landry, B. Lem Barney, C. Mel Farr, D. Nick Eddy, or E. Alex Karras? And we're going to start with Mike this time. I know the answer. Um, actually, I think that. It's a combination of B and C. Oh, okay, Ryan. <laughs> I I know it was I know it was at least C. I know it was Mel Far, even before you said the answers. But now I'm leaning towards okay. Rothstein, believing that it's two questions because this would be or two answers because this would be so adequate of you. Yes, this is this this would this be is, uh, Jeremy. I was pretty sure it was B, so that kind of fits into all of this. That it probably is B and C, and, and Chris didn't realize it when he created the question. Yes, 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 because I was <laughs> grabbing random lions off the of 1969. The answer I had was Lem Barney. That's, that was B, of my, right? Of my adequate research. I'm sure Mel. I think Mel Far did have a role in it too. <laughs> he, I mean, so to redeem my ad- strong backup on what's going. On. Yeah. Yeah, on what's going on, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. if it's right, so back up on what's going on, just saying like my, <laughs> I, 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 I think Barney Barney was the one who I think it was Lem Barney who was the one who first approached him about the idea of, hey, would you like to try out for the Lions? You might be you may be accurate there. I'm not gonna pretend to know okay. everything about that, but I mean I knew it that Mel Farr was involved in this well. It's it part because like yeah. this is gonna sound terrible, but when you write something under your guitar, you learn a lot about that and how far died. Uh, I just I remember vividly a lot of that conversation coming into play. No, I've gone through journalism school. I know the uh, fun and horror of working on an obituary. It's uh it's a trip. I love it. Um Second part of this question is, and I'm getting no no multiple choice here. What position did Marvin Gaye try out at for the Lions? Uh, Jeremy, I guess safety because I feel like you kind of just put people back there sometimes. Mike, gridiron safe. No one, no one got that. What? The guy who takes the down the field. <laughs> yeah. I, I know who you're oh. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I, I didn't hear it. Okay, Ryan. Yeah, I, I was gonna go. I was gonna go wide receiver as well, but I'm gonna say running back. Mike has the right answer. It's wide Ooh. receiver. Well, I was gonna pick that, but then Rothstein picked it first. Oh, you blaming <clears throat> him? Okay. All right, essay portion of the (laughs) 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 essay portion here. Quick, quick, short essay. Uh, This category is called "Let's Do the Time Warp Again." Very seasonal. Uh, If I could sit, very seasonal, which is why this is here. If I could send you back in time to experience one full decade of Detroit Lions football from start to finish, which decade would you choose and why? And I'm going to give Mike the first crack. Um. Uh. <laughs> I mean, I again, you know, this is a weirder question for me because I didn't grow up in Detroit. And I didn't grow up, you know, I've, I've been pretty well documented that I'm not. I didn't grow up a Lions fan, so you know, and obviously, I, I don't really have an allegiance to the team now other than like it's my. Well, just job. As, just as a journalist, as right. a journalist wanting to cover the team, like an interesting oh, decade for you. I mean. <sighs> 
I actually would say the 1960s because, and, and here's why. A, you know, the Forest Ball team and that whole, that whole kind of transfer of power would have been interesting. But also you had all of the machinations between the NFL and AFL at that point. And I just feel like that, there was so much there and it was probably so rich rich to cover that I would pick the 1960s uh, success or not. Obviously, that was the first kind of decade of utility for the Lions. Um, so maybe I'm just telling myself I, I like watching mediocre football um, <laughs> or worse, but I would go with the 60s. No, but I, I get that too because like we're also talking about the '60s as the as the decade of like again we were just talking about it Marvin Gaye, Alex Karras, all these colorful characters around the Detroit Lions. I can see why you would take that absolutely. Uh, let's see, Ryan, what's your answer? Uh, I think that if I were to go back and experience a decade of Lions football again, it would probably be the '80s, just because you'd get you'd get all of Billy Sims' career, and then you'd also get the mm-hmm. very beginning of Barry Sanders too. So. I know the Lions weren't incredibly, uh, let's see, successful because, I mean, when have they really been in their organization's history? But uh, I don't know. I think that would just be interesting to see probably the two best running backs, obviously, in, in I think, the, uh, the franchise's history. I will say from my personal experience kind of traveling across the country as a vagabond, um, I met one guy from West from Western Michigan as well who used to tell me that Detroit Lions players in the 80s would come over to Kalamazoo and crash uh, frat parties quite a bit too. Sick. So that's, I mean, good time to be there. Uh, Jeremy, I, the Twitch chat, by the way, is screaming that none of us have picked the 1950s for all of the championships. Right. But and what's what's your uh, answer here? That's that's the trap answer. I feel like because if you're saying it 1950s because mm-hmm. you want to watch the 1950 Detroit Lions win a couple championships, I don't think you realize how boring football was. <laughs> then I'm sorry, football <laughs> they was did have Bobby Lane. Un- they did have Bobby Lane, who was a great quarterback. But football but, yeah. was basically unwatchable back then. And I, I hate our, our older listeners are probably throwing their iPods because they're old and they don't have. You know, regular what about the defense, Jeremy? Tough defense. No, 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 no. Football was unwatchable back then. So give me the 1990s because I want a full decade of Barry Sanders. And then in 1998, I will stop being a football fan forever and not have to relive him retiring early. <laughs> you have to experience the Wayne. Yeah, you get the Wayne Fonts experience. I mean, the Lions were good in the 1990s. They weren't great. No, they were. They were. Um, you know, we still only get one playoff win, but we get the playoff win. And we get like a, a playoff appearance every other year, essentially. So yeah, 1950s or 1990s Detroit Lions football was tolerable. And uh, yeah, you'd, you'd catch you catch Rodney Pete's time in Detroit too. Uh, L.A. radio legend out here, but uh, Detroit Lions quarterback from '89 to '93 as well. There you go. So plenty of good players there. Uh, okay, last question here, and the name of this one is "This Song Sucks." So as everyone know, we knows, we here at Pride of Detroit know in our heart of hearts that the victory music of the Detroit Lions is Africa by Toto. However, several vagrants in the past have tried to tell us it should be Detroit Rock City by Kiss. But there is a dark, sinister secret to, this, to the song that people don't know. Gentlemen, for all the marbles, can you tell me what city Kiss recorded Detroit Rock City in it? Is it A, New York City, B, Los Angeles, C, Toronto, D, Houston, or E, Detroit? Who goes none first? Of, Ryan. None, none, Ryan. None, I'm sorry. Yeah, none of those answers were going to be my answers because I was going to say it was some armpit like Cleveland. Um, <laughs> I was going to say this. I, I forgot the ringer answer. is going to be the seventh ring of hell. But. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Give me give me C. What was C? I don't even remember what it was, but I, I'm doing the, uh, old, the old college guess. I think it was guess. Toronto. All right. Foreign, foreign, foreign land. All right. Jeremy. Uh, I'll say Houston because bad things come out of Texas. And finally, Mike. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Toronto. And, and didn't your quarterback come out of Texas? Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, okay no, Mike. But hold on. Rossi, don't you remember, like, no good things come out of Texas, including Matthew Stafford, because he's from Texas, and they, and those are the people who killed JFK. Uh, Michael Pettit. <laughs> 
wow, this might be the last time we get Mike on now because of that. You're going to spook him, right? You're all wrong. The answer is New York. It was mm. recorded in New York. Which I'm which has nothing. that I didn't know being a New Yorker. I'm, <laughs> That's I'm true. Just, really, I'm, I'm kicking myself now. Like, I, I should lose this entire podcast. No, no. Yeah, yeah no, I recorded we, at Record Plant Studios in New York. I think we yep. all should get points for not knowing a Kiss trivia question. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. It, you guys are at least insulated from the horrors of Kiss. So uh, that's it. The game show's over. Everyone wins. Uh, Mike, once again, thanks for joining us. Mike, you can catch his stuff over at ESPN. And we want to pump again the uh, Michael Rothstein show where you can find on all podcast platforms. And uh, I just want to make sure I get Mike's Twitter handle right well, because I'm an idiot. While, while you're yeah, searching I, for it, Mike, why don't you why don't you tell us about uh, the podcast? Because I'm not sure everyone knows what what the angle is on your podcast. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So it's it's relatively new. It's uh, three episodes old, so we're still learning how to crawl. Um, <laughs> but the whole concept of the podcast is at least during Lions season, it can be very Lions heavy, Lions based. Go over past games. I talk to beat writers from opposing teams about what to expect. And then kind of depending on the week, I'll either have a retired player on, a current player on, or if I don't have a guest, another guest, I'll go in kind of a little bit deeper with whatever journalist I have on the show just to kind of learn more about them. Is like So if you read any of my stuff over at ESPN, a lot of times I write a lot of human interest stories and I really kind of, Americana stories and, and lion, the people behind the face masks and the you know coaching shirts and all of that, right? So my goal with the podcast is to kind of dig deeper in those types of interviews as well, more than just football, to kind of hear them as humans because a lot of times you don't really get to hear that. So that's kind of the concept behind the podcast. And then in the offseason, it will probably still be very Lions-heavy, maybe some drafts heavy stuff, especially there's some prospects on, uh, maybe talk to some agents, because I think that that's an area that a lot of people don't know about, that, especially like around free agency time, and I'll delve a little bit into the NBA, it's uh, some investigative reporting, uh, if I cover some MMA this year, like I did last year at ESPN, maybe that as well, and really it's kind of fun with me and turn it into a really cool, hopefully for the listeners, interview podcast, I uh, try to be as interactive as possible, uh, in two ways. One, I'll take listener questions or reader questions or Twitter questions with the hashtag Roth Show, and we read a couple of them over air every Tuesday, and I usually will tweet on my Twitter account what guests are coming on either tomorrow or Tuesday. And we record Tuesday night. If you happen to be in Ann Arbor or the Ann Arbor area, we record Tuesday nights around 7 p.m. Uh, sometimes it varies by the week based on the guests. At Regent's Field, it's a bar in downtown Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, if you're familiar with Ann Arbor, it's where Cafe Felix used to be. This is a new bar, and I record my show there live every Tuesday night, and then we get it up on all of your happy fun, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher platforms on Wednesday mornings. So that really quickly is my podcast that I think I did an okay job explaining. <laughs> Did more than an, you did an adequate job. We'll go with that. Yeah, you can find him on Twitter. Ad awesome. <laughs> adequate, adequate. There's no such thing as mediocre. It's adequate. You can find him on Twitter at Mike Rothstein. Uh, I don't know why it took me that long to look it up. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much. We're going to have to have you back on again sometime because this was yeah, very fun. Absolutely. Honestly, this is a blast. I had a really good time. So, all right. Awesome. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Pride of Detroit podcast. We will see you starside. <laughs>to do's less time and an infinite number of tools to keep track of sometimes doing business has never felt harder but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals you can just use hubspot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.